Welcome to the GBC Big Three Podcast, a weekly podcast where we sit down and unpack three big questions raised from our Sunday sermon. I'm your host, Matt Willis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jessica Baker. Welcome to another week of the Big Three. Thank you. So good to be here. How are you, my friend? What's going on? Fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) I hit full term today, 37 weeks. (gasps) Congratulations. The big guns. And suddenly... It literally happened today. My body's like, no, nah, I'm not into it anymore. <laughs> My pelvis is just disintegrated to nothing. <laughs> wow, we've gone there. Yeah, okay, there yeah. we are. She hurts. But she hurts. <laughs> Bless. But could be another five weeks to go, so I'm just trying to stay positive, just trying, to, <laughs> just trying to stay light and bouncy. But in the back of my mind, I just know it will not be a good five <laughs> it's weeks. It's just not a vibe. <laughs> um, my wife definitely, like, you know, we've had three kids, Mm -hmm. she would get to this stage of Mm. pregnancy and just be like, you know, this is where God starts to prepare you Mm -hmm. for the marathon that you were about to enter, Mm -hmm. which is parenthood. Like, I don't think that's comforting though. It's not a comforting time because I'm uncomfortable. I'm in pain. And I'm not sleeping. Oh, and all I think at 2 a.m. when I'm lying in bed is it's going to get so much worse. Don't hear me saying that this is a justification. It's just her reflection and it's just like. Yeah. It's, I don't know, more preparing or just prolonging the pain. Like couldn't I have a I mean, nice it's glass of, half full, glass yeah. half empty. <laughs> Which exactly. perspective do you want to exactly. take? Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what a vibe. Mm, the vibe. Such a vibe. <laughs> And yet you're here faithfully. Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord (laughs) in the big three and we love you for it. It's the best. (laughs) We'll just keep you coming until, well, until you. Mm, I won't be so smiley and happy (laughs) in a couple of weeks' time. I can guarantee you that. Bless you. Well, (laughs) anyway, moving on um, from the... from the pain of childbirth, <laughs> both prior and I'm just going to yeah, stop thanks talking. Thanks for that. Eve. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, I just feel like I'm mansplaining as well. <laughs> I apologise greatly. I'm going to stop talking about it now. For those of you who missed it, our associate pastor Roxanne Lawler preached during our services this past weekend, continuing in our series, discerning the invitation of God together. Now, Roxy spoke from the Book of Acts and the story of Peter receiving a vision from the Lord. And you can listen to that message again through our regular GBC Sermon podcast. But for today in the big three, we're going to keep the conversation going from Rox's message. In a moment, we're going to be joined by our senior pastor, Mark Rader, and Jess and I will be putting the big three questions to him as we dive deeper into the invitation from this week's sermon. But from now, Jess, I'm interested... As always, what were your reflections coming out of Rox's sermon, your take home? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Look, love a good Rox sermon. What a time. <laughs> love a bit of alliteration. She's a fiend she for the alliteration. A fiend. So what did we have? Pros- posture of preparedness. Yep. And then we had um, pay attention to patterns. Yes. And then the last one was partner with people, which I thought should have been a posse of peeps. Oh, but okay. But anyway, um, uh, it's neither here nor just there. Just a little bit of unsolicited <laughs> feedback, which is a throwback to last week's big three. I just like the word posse, to be honest. Um, no, I I thought it was a good time and it kind of shed some light on, you know, uh, this kind of crazy vision that he's had and it's not so clear and how do we kind of work through understanding that kind of stuff yeah, yeah. and getting ready for, for something like that. But, yeah, right good time. Yeah. It, was a, it, was a, it was a cracker. I've got to admit, like, Rox always, like, has a bit of a laugh about how alliteration really solidifies the mm-hmm. message mm-hmm. in your mind. And look, it does. It does because yesterday someone asked about, like, oh, what should the – um title of the sermon podcast be and I was like prepare patterns and partner yeah, and Rox was just like I can't believe you remembered and I was like well you helped me remember <laughs> Rox 
you helped me with oh, your uh, she alliterations felt of peas. All warm and fuzzy inside. But do you know what else I also noticed? And this is such a tangent, but I'm going to go with it. Like she, th- then you. It makes it even more obvious when then she uses any P word yeah. in her message. I was like, oh, there's another one. <laughs> She's throwing the P's out everywhere. <laughs> I think she just has fun with it. Yeah, she and, does. And we and have fun it. with it also. Bless. I was here for it. Yeah, I loved every second of it. Time. It was a cracker message. <laughs> Definitely recommend to listen to it again. Um, well, Jess, I think it's time for us to start looking at the three big questions submitted through Slider this week. So what are our big three? Question one is how can we trust one interaction with God when it seems to contradict wildly accepted um, teaching? Widely accepted. Widely, not wildly. I mean, (laughs) could be wild as well. There's some things in the Bible. The whole like like, you can't eat bacon is pretty wild. I was like, bacon is good for me. (laughs) (laughs) Question two, why isn't God clearer? Why give an obscure vision and leave the discernment of its meaning to us? It's a dangerous game from the Lord. <laughs> it's a very dangerous game. <laughs> and we'd like some clarity on that. Thank you. And question three, how can we prepare ourselves to experience and receive this kind of revelation from God? Right. Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, every man and his dog had a vision in the yeah. in the Bible. Less so, less so for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, they weren't clear visions. They were, they were a little obscure, as we can And maybe see. the dog was in the vision. Yeah. I wonder if that was one of the four-footed animals. I don't know. Potentially. Um, yeah, we'd like some more of those things. Although I'm not recommending that you eat dog. That would no. be rough. Although you did name your dog after a restaurant. Yeah, so fried chicken. Fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. so. He was named after deep fried chicken nuggets. Bless. Bless him. <laughs> Huxley, what a time. (laughs) (laughs) we got to talk about Huxley a little bit over the next few weeks because I feel like once the baby comes... He'll never be mentioned again. Never again. again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He'll just disappear off the face of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Keen to get into the big three, so there is only one thing missing, and that is Mark Rady himself. Welcome to the big three, Mark. Thanks, Matt. (laughs) How much coffee have you had today? Mate, I am on five shots of coffee and... (laughs) We can tell. (laughs) Yeah, that's Well, so can the heart palpitations in my chest. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. You're just riffing on stuff. Am I? (laughs) Gosh, I can't even notice. (laughs) I'm mansplaining pregnancy. (laughs) Actually, yeah, I didn't feel good about that. It felt weird. Advocating to eat dog or maybe I'm not. (laughs) Just, it's it's a bit of an adventure today. Strap in, listeners. Strap in, guys. (laughs) We're on for a wild ride. Always, always. How are you going, Mark? Where I'm... Listen, we're five weeks out for your long service leave. Yes. Um, Yes. If we want to talk about heart palpitations, (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting plenty. (laughs) Don't leave us. (laughs) Yeah, no, five weeks to go. And, um, you know, there's a lot to do beforehand. I mean, you know, even if I weren't going away, there'd be a lot to do in the next five weeks leading up to Easter. But, you know, things are starting to, I think, solidify a little bit in terms Mm. of, you know, kind of plans. But also, I think, um, you know, to use one of the P's, there's a little bit of preparation of, I Mm. I think I'm starting the process of getting ready to, to have that much time off. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, thinking a little bit more concretely about, you know, because we're not going to be traveling extensively, what, like how am I going to fill my day so that I'm not just, you know, filling it with nothing, mm. you know, but without making it so, um, so full that it doesn't lead to rest. But you need a you holiday know? from so, your holiday. Yeah, I was actually just speaking to a, um, a mentor of mine and I just asked him about, you know, long service leave that he's taken. And he was just reflecting on a couple of things that he did. And one of them was, um, he said he didn't want to fail long service leave. And I was like, okay, you need to explain that. I oh, didn't gosh, realize it was a pass fail. <laughs> well, no, his point was he didn't want to kind of set himself targets that he could fail. 
So okay. he was like, mm-hmm. you know, like he didn't want to say I have to read six books or I have to yeah. see these things on my vacation or I need to do these things so that you could get to the end of that period and go, oh man, I didn't, I didn't yeah. finish those books or I didn't get to that conference or I didn't, whatever it was. Yeah. He said, I didn't want to fail anything. So everything that he tried to do in his long service leave was wrapped around, I, not, I guess, I guess a kind of an openness mm. of, we're going to try to get some, you know, we're going to do some things. We're going to have some fun. It's going to be some rest, like, but without kind of setting himself particular goals that then he might not achieve. If that yeah. makes sense. And that was really kind of helpful to kind of go, yeah, that's, I think that's what I want as well. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to, you know, so like I want to do some reading, but I, I think I want to uh, back away from saying, I, I want to read these five books, six books, four books, two books, just kind of say, I want to work my way through some books I want to be reading Mm -hmm. most days or whatever the case might be. And then if I get through all the books, great. If I don't, I haven't failed, (laughs) you know, like, you know, so you don't come back saying, well, you know, but you know what I mean? Like it's that sense of. For us it would be, I want to look through this whole stream of Netflix. (laughs) I I want to finish this series or 15 seasons of Grey's Anatomy. I'd like to read some academia. Thank you. (laughs) It's kind of, but like, and you wouldn't say you failed if you didn't watch all of the Netflix series in your time off, but. No, I wouldn't. No, but you know what I'm saying? But it has that component of, Mm -hmm. I said I would do X and then I didn't actually finish X. Yeah. For and me, was, I took yeah. six weeks off when I got Huxley and yep. I came into it going, I'm going to have the most beautifully trained dog at the end of this six weeks. And did I fail? Most yeah. definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> with flying yeah, colours. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it felt like a bit of a yeah. failure. So oh. I just want to try to, as I'm kind of working out what I actually want to do kind of on the ground day to day, I just I, I want to kind of take some of that advice with me, I think, and just make sure that I'm not setting myself up to say, oh, I didn't do what I wanted to do, like just to try to rest and to do things that are life-giving and mm. all that kind of thing. Sounds like just, a delightful time. If I can give some unsolicited <laughs> feedback. That's what we do here now. The Lord has condoned it's it. It's the coffee speaking, <laughs> but we'll take it. I just feel like <laughs> if you're making a list of tasks to complete for your holidays, that is a type of overachieving <laughs> that is unwelcome <laughs> in a holiday setting. Well, it's not about what you want to you're achieve. doing it wrong. <laughs> it's about what you want to do, like – 12 weeks is a long time. Mm. If I were traveling for 12 weeks and you'd kind of know what you were doing, but even then you'd be setting tasks. Like you're like, okay, we're going to go see this today. We're going to go to that museum. We're going to I think we're just going to agree to disagree. That's fine. <laughs> All right, That's whatever. Fine. <laughs> fine. All I know is you've got 12 weeks off right when my baby is due. So yes. if you could be a full-time babysitter, <laughs> I'd be down for that. Well, you know, as long as you don't mind your child going to hockey training. Yeah. Um, it's a little chilly, but they'll, they'll <laughs> we'll survive. <rock> yeah. <laughs> nothing, a, nothing a hat can't take care of. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> I can't even segue because, yeah. like, we just went somewhere completely different. So I think now's the time to get into the big three. <laughs> so Rox was talking about Peter's kind of uh, vision from the Lord and how he was kind of saying, you know, we're not all about the Jews now, we're bringing in the Gentiles and that's something we weren't necessarily um, all about before. So how can we trust one interaction with God when it seems to contradict widely accepted teaching? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, because what God, I mean, we look back on the story and we go, oh, this is, isn't this a wonderful unfolding of God's plan to save all people? Wow, that's great. Yeah, and we appreciate it as Gentiles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. But it also great. isn't like foreign for us. We're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, we, we're we from a position of understanding. Yep. And mm. So it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, absolutely. This is just the moment that it happened where Gentiles were kind of included. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it is worth 
reflecting a little bit on just what a significant thing that was. I, I think mm, to yeah. some degree that's almost the background of that question of just kind of re, I think realizing this this is overturning widely accepted, yeah. widely held. You know, so even when the the Jewish people thought about the nations, there was a, there was a stream in their theology right that talked about god's interaction with the nations mm. and that they would be the nations would be um the beneficiaries of the establishment of the kingdom of god right that that yeah. would certainly be the case so there was a stream of that but it wasn't a really prominent one in lots mm. of ways and even mm. jesus's ministry was not particularly oriented to the gentiles much at all yeah well, he had some interactions with them you know he speaks with a samaritan woman who's not I mean, she's Gentile, but the Samaritans were kind of their own class of, mm. of different, mm. um, you know, but you know, there wasn't this really strong theme until you get to say the Great Commission, you know, go to all nations. Mm. But even I think for the, the apostles, I can imagine that they first heard that is going to the Jews in all mm. nations, mm. right? Because there were Jews in every nation, the Jews of the dispersion. Uh, and so this is a really radical, um, a really radical act on God's behalf and one that doesn't actually get answered for quite a long time. Right. Mm. So, you know, um, rocks, sermon is kind of a part one to what we want to wrap the series up with this coming Sunday, bit of a teaser, mm-hmm. um, because God does something amazing in saving the Gentiles and then it nearly tears the church apart. Yeah. Cause it lo- wasn't just, they were great mates with different beliefs. The Gentiles and the Jews just won about each other. Yeah, they yeah. were they were very much like oil and water in yeah. lots of ways. And so when when the church and I I just think it's fascinating to think that the work of God would bring about disunity and disruption yeah. to such a degree. Uh, which, and the level of conviction that you would need yeah. to mm. have around, no, I actually, yeah. I have discerned. Yeah. Yes. And we're kind of getting into question two. Is Peter yes. questioning his vision yeah, slightly? Like, did I misread this? <laughs> or did I just have five coffees this the morning? <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think if all he had to go on was the vision, that would be a little bit problematic. Mm. But it's interesting that when he, you know, so Luke narrates it in chapter 10, as Rox points out, and then, Peter has to kind of explain himself and he narrates it all again in chapter 11 and he actually refers to it again in chapter 15. And the, the crux of it was that the Holy spirit was poured out on them in just the same way it was poured out on us, he says. Right. And that definitive act of God seemed to be the thing. And so he doesn't, he doesn't claim that, listen, I know what's going on. Jesus left me in charge, mm. and I am Peter, right? Um, I'm kind you know, of a big dude. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he doesn't pull that authority card. He just kind of goes, listen, all, all I can tell you is what God did, mm. right? Now, I think that, you know, the question, you know, the whole, the whole idea about overturning widely held mm. beliefs, yeah. I mean, man, that, that can be, I think that can be really tricky. I think there's probably two components of it. I think on the one hand, there are widely held beliefs that are not, uh, how would I frame it up? Like that are not in alignment with the kingdom, right? So um, when you think about the, the the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. That old chestnut. That old chestnut, as you oh, yeah. often do. Regularly <laughs> reflect. <laughs> A lot of what they were reacting to were abuses of the power of the church, mm. right? There, there were some theological 
issues that undergirded that, the foundations of those activities. But it was a lot to do with the, the abuses that were taking place. And so the abuses needed to be addressed. They were widely, there were a bunch of widely held beliefs about, right? Yeah. And so the reformers were in some regards taking a stand against those things by going back to scripture and kind mm. of going, you know what, scripture doesn't reflect what we actually see here. We probably mm. need to take, we need to privilege scripture over our traditions. Mm. Good plan. Right. Um, and then, then there are the widely held theologies, right? The, like the doctrines um, that have been carefully thought through, considered, all of those sorts of things. And so I think when, when we're in a situation where, we have to stand against something that's widely held. I think we have to start by asking, I guess, how widely held is this view? Mm. And why is it so widely held? Mm. And by whom? Mm. <laughs> right? Because I think that... Just some casual questions. Yeah, just some <laughs> casual yeah. questions. Yeah. No biggie. Because if we find ourselves, you know, particularly you know, 2,000 years of church history, mm. 2,000 years of theological reflection, if mm. we find ourselves saying that the last 2,000 years has been wrong because of something that I saw or felt or read or believe, I think we need to be asking ourselves pretty hard questions about why we think we're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it also depends on, you know, kind of who holds it, right? Um, and um, I think the other piece in it is, is probably related to what does, what does a widely held belief or practice, what implications does that have mm. in other areas, right? So the, the Protestant Reformation had implications in nearly every area of not only church life but also culture at the time. Uh, and you know the inclusion of the Gentiles was something similar. Like it, it had wide ranging implications. Um, so I'm not. I guess I'm not sure that there's anything that we can do to say, "Yep, God's you know um, God's calling me to stand against widely held beliefs." I think we have to be very careful about that. Mm. Um, and we'd certainly want to gather people around us to help us discern God's voice in that. Yeah. Right? Like I think. Again, what you find with Peter is that there's the there's the corroboration of Cornelius. Yeah. There's the there's the corroboration of the Holy Spirit's impact. Mm. When you get to chapter fifteen, there's the corroboration of Paul and Barnabas, who are like, listen, we've been taking the gospel to the Gentiles and the spirits come upon them and they're changed lives and all this stuff's happening. And the stories that they tell are part of the evidence for the believers to go, Yeah, this sounds yeah. like it's God's work. So I mean I yeah. I would be hesitant to say that I've figured something out that no one else has figured out and I'm going to stand <laughs> against what they mm. believes. Although there are sometimes, I think, again, beliefs or practices that are not necessarily biblical. Like you think about you know, taking a stand against subtle racism or misogyny, mm. right, which can infiltrate churches. Mm-hmm. Those things need to be kind of with, withstood, even though those around us might go, oh, that's not an issue. You know, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, yeah. those sorts of things. Um, and that would be a di- very different category. Mm. Like I think there's that sense of, hey, our Christian practice doesn't really match up with what it ought to be. Yeah, yeah. And we've been blinded to it for cultural reasons or whatever. Mm. And we need to address that. Yeah. I think that's it's a slightly different category. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think that whole, oh, yeah, I actually think that there's a new way to understand God. I think we have to be really careful about yeah, yeah. Uh, about those sorts of things just because we have a community of interpretation that we mm. you know, kind of work within. And we've talked previously on the podcast around like 
the need to test, mm. test through scripture, mm. test yep. through, yep. you know, a community of faith yep. and and people who God has kind of surrounded you with yep. and, yep. you know, who are the people who are affirming that or, or, or where is that idea being affirmed yep. Yep. and, you know, um, yeah, is that like in the deep dark web kind of thing mm. or is that kind of, you know, organisational, educational yep. kind of yep. institutions that are kind of like, yeah, like, yeah, we like, are trained and, and we would that's right. consider that's something. Right. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the one of the fascinating things about, again, about the Protestant Reformation is that it was happening all over the place. It mm. just kind of needed a couple of sparks, but it wasn't as if, you know, Martin Luther was the only person to kind of go, hey. Asking these questions. Yeah, yeah. Like there was like, you know, probably a century of kind of build up to the events that happened mm. then. And and it sparked up all sparked off all over the place mm. in, in Europe. And I think it's because people were thinking about the same sorts of things, addressing yeah. the same sorts of abuses. Yeah. And so finally when something happened, those catalysts, it all kind of fell into place. Yeah. And, you know, I was, again, reflecting with a, with a colleague of mine that, you know, I've been in ministry long enough now to kind of observed some of the shifts of emphasis. Mm. Um, you know, and so I think that there's, you know, when I was, a young man, there was a there was a big emphasis on eschatology, the end of the world stuff. Yeah, at least in the denomination and tradition that I was a part of. You know, now, then there was a, no, not now, but like in the last twenty years, there's been that shift to that missional thinking around the mm. church, like the mission of the church, and that then I think has led to the present emphasis on discipleship. Now, none of those things have ever stopped being important, but the emphasis on discipleship now just, it feels different yeah. than it has 10, than it was 10 years ago. Yeah. We talked about discipleship. We were keen on discipleship. We wanted to help make disciples, but there's something different about the conversation now and it's popping up in all sorts of conversations that I'm having with colleagues. And so you think, okay, what's, what's that about? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I think theologically, I'd want to say that there's something, the spirit of God moving, moving in that. that. Yeah. And, and, and so there's this new emphasis, right? Shall mm. we say a widely held emphasis, mm. which is kind of the opposite of the, I think the, what the question is getting at about doing something that's radically different. But I think paying attention to those trends also helps us place what we're feeling in context, in context yeah. you know, that to the, to your point, Matt, that other people are, thinking the same sorts of things. Mm. Other groups of people are grappling with the same sorts of issues. There's something in that where you kind of go, yeah, this feels like a, yeah. a, a thing for our time. Yeah. And ultimately we see that in Peter because, yeah. as you said, later in the book of Acts, Paul pops up and he's like, well, yeah, we've been preaching to the Gentiles yep. for ages, mate. Yeah. Like you're late <laughs> yeah. to the party. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that, that the corroboration piece is actually yeah, a really awesome. important part of that. Yeah. yeah, Great. Well, let's get on to question two. Mark, one of Rox's points was that um, I think many of us can kind of yearn for these really profound revelations of God, you know, those those really distinct, it's the angelic visit, it's the vision, it's yeah. the, you know, the burning bush yeah. kind of moments. We all kind of crave for it because we have this expectation that it would just be super clear because mm -hmm. it's so overt, right? Yeah. But one of... Roxy's point was that even Peter still needed to discern the meaning of this. Like God had to show him the same vision three times before yep. like the penny kind of dropped for him. He's like, Oh, right. That's what you're, yeah. that's what you're on about. Um, so like, why, <laughs> you know, because you're on a first name basis with um, God, our father, uh, like why <laughs> isn't he more clear? Like why, why give obscure visions and, and leave the discernment, 
of its meaning to us, mm. flawed, sinful, <laughs> yeah. sometimes stupid people. Like, yeah. like, like, where's the rationale in this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I think, I mean, you know, I think I, I would go a little bit further than 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 Rox's kind of statement because Peter doesn't really understand the vision until Cornelius's house. Yeah, bless. Because he's sitting there she thinking. She was giving him more credit than yeah. he was due. Because <laughs> he's sitting there thinking Classic. about kind of trying to figure out the meaning of it and then the spirit says there's some guys downstairs go with them. <laughs> so he goes with them and yep. then it's like he gets to Cornelius's house and then he goes, oh, now I get it. Yeah. But so forever, however long it took him to get from Joppa to Caesarea, whatever, you know, he was thinking about this vision like, going, why am I on this trip? <laughs> what that's all, you know, and it, like I find it fascinating. He was hungry. He was waiting for lunch to be prepared. And then he has a vision of food. Yeah. How easy would it be to kind of go? You're just delirious. Man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. We've all been there. It wasn't something I ate. It was something I was waiting to eat. Like, you know, and, and to kind of set that aside as a very natural mm. Vision, you know, but like to kind I'm of so explain hungry, it away. I could eat a horse. Oh, I'm thinking about a horse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and they're un, they're unclean. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so uh, yeah, but but it does raise the question. I, I think you know, as as has been asked, like why why particularly with something so big. This is a massive turning point. Yeah, you don't want to leave it to interpretate. Well, no. I would imagine that yeah. God would not want yeah. to leave that yeah. kind of thing to interpretation. Yeah. It's like it's pretty significant. Yeah. It's yeah. a big movement, like you said. Yeah. It, it impacted hmm. the the unity of the church. You would assume that you wanted to be super clear <laughs> on the instructions that yeah. you were giving. Yeah. Particularly because God's been around for a while. Like he knows that we're a hot mess. Yeah. Like he knows that we're not yeah. all that great yeah. in following instructions. Yeah, that's, like, right. that's right. But even that, like reading that story, we would think like, oh, that's pretty clear. What? But we don't get that. We no. don't even get that. No. And we're supposed to discern. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, visions are not all that common in scripture in reality. Um, you, you've got... You know, like you have the prophetic word is perhaps more common. Mm. But as far as I know, like I can't think of, like I don't think David had any visions. He had prophetic words. Mm. Um, and most characters just kind of bumbled their way through yeah. the story, you yeah, know. Yeah. I think that many of the stories that we have are the exceptional moments, mm. you know. But anyway. Uh, We're getting on to question three but, but, so Yeah, sorry, all right. Thank you very so much. So I think that, you know, I think the question, you know, why does God entrust this to us? I, these are great questions because there's like there's no real definitive answer. It's mm. not like I can say, well, the answer is four and a half, right? Like I've it's, chatted to him. Yeah. <laughs> he just likes to mess we with us. We had a little chin wag. Yeah. Uh. But I think theologically, I think it it tells us something really important about God's intention to include us mm. in His plans and purposes. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk quite a bit here at Gaimia about you know finding our place in God's mission, and you know we want to be about what God is about and those sorts of things. And this seems to me to be one of those really clear evidences and demonstrations that God's like, you are going to take an active role in this. Yeah. So I'm going to do something pretty amazing. And it's going to be relatively clear, you know, like the spirit's going to fall on the Gentiles, but I'm going to let you work it out. Like there's no angel there to help apply the lesson for Peter. Yeah. You know, like the spirit falls. And and, and I mean, I, I love the fact that Peter and those with him were amazed. Like these are people who had seen Jesus die and be raised mm. to life <laughs> and ascend to heaven. And they still had room to be amazed. Man, these disciples. <laughs> you know, you know. They make me feel so good about yeah. myself. Um, but, you know, like God's done something, but there, there's no angel who says, okay, 
like freeze time. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, Peter, what do you see? Like, you know, let's work this one out. Let's workshop what you're what you're experiencing. They have to figure it out kind of in real time. Mm. And I think that that does demonstrate that that God wants us to be involved for all of our foibles and failures and whatnot. I of which there of are many. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, I, I think that you know we we may very well be a hot mess, but God's intention is to include us in this. Mm. And I think in part that becomes a really strong basis for us to be actively listening to what God mm. is, mm. is is doing and to try to be aware of what he may be speaking to us about, yeah. right? Uh, and to not necessarily wait for the vision, but to see what, what God's doing and go, okay, that, that looks like God's work, to be really familiar with his work, to be able to say, yeah, that is of God and that doesn't appear to be and talking with those around us and mm. you know, kind of what we were talking about with the previous question. So I think that theologically that seems to be the only real answer. Um, because I think if you start saying that God does it to be purposely mysterious, then that, that suggests that his intention is to is, kind of undo us a little bit. Uh, yeah. Or yeah. to kind of be, you know, I'm going to be a little bit unclear and then I'll let you guys work it out. We'll see what happens. This, this will be fun. <laughs> and right? then I'll judge you for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, almost, you well, know, yeah. like well, watch what happens when I do this. a couple million millennium, probably just needs some fun times. <laughs> 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 but it suggests kind of a, a questionable intention yeah. behind God mm. doing and character. that. Like, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so I think to, we want to, not that we need to protect it, but we need to protect God's character, right? Mm. Like if we're talking about how God acts, he acts with holiness, he acts with integrity, um, and he acts in line with his purposes. So if God gives an, uh, what we would look at, and I think rightly so, a bit of an obscure vision, yeah. and then allows and encourages Peter and the, the other apostles and the other believers to sort it out, I think that that tells us something about God's intentions, mm. that he wants to include us. And so we are included in the big decisions, yeah, nice. you know, like, you know, he's made the decision, mm. uh, but we're left to kind of really grapple with and work that out. So the rest of the New Testament is filled with the consequences of this action mm. in Acts 10 and 11. Like this event just ripples through the entire New Testament. Um, uh, Paul is forever, it seems, writing about the distinction between Jews and Gentiles mm. and how we're actually one in Christ. And his theology gets framed up around what it means to be saved by grace mm. rather mm. than by the law. And, you know, so his his character of choice, shall we say, isn't Moses, but Abraham. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To kind of go, Abraham believed before the law was given mm. and he has become the father of us all. Right? Mm. Like that's his kind mm. of go to. But he's had to, and that's not new theology for him, but it's a very different kind of emphasis. He's, he, but he's just had to grapple with it. Yeah. Even, you know, in Acts 15, which we'll be looking at this coming Sunday, you know, when James gives um, a handful of suggestions to the Gentiles, right? Like you're saved by grace, like we yeah. are. You're good regardless. Yeah. But, don't don't eat food sacrificed to uh, idols. Avoid sexual immorality. Uh, don't eat strangled meat or blood. And it's interesting that that three of those have to do with food mm-hmm. and eating, right? Like because that would have been one of the huge barriers mm. between Jews and Gentiles. They can't sit at the same table because they're uh, you're eating unclean food. You ordered like, something different. Yeah, yeah like I, I what like what is that all about? And not just 
oh, it's unclean food and I, I tend not to eat that. Mm. It's like I've been raised to, to see that as, as almost having a moral component to it. Like yeah, wow. to eat that mm. would make me unclean before God. Like that's a dis- – like that's – yeah. And so we're now brothers in Christ, apparently. Yeah. And you're eating what's clearly in the law. And Jesus said he came to fulfill the law. And, yeah. you know, like all the implications of yeah. that. So table fellowship becomes a really big deal. And, and so I think that, 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 you know, God does seem to say, you're going to be involved in this. So you mm. guys got to work it out. Mm. And there are no more angels that come and give added information about how to work it out, you know? <laughs> oh, here's God's manual on getting Jews and Gentiles to work together. Like, no, you got to work it out. Mm. Um, because God started it and said, look, I've saved you and I've saved all of you. My plans yeah. are for the whole world. Work it out. Yeah. So I think that's what that mm. suggests to us theologically. Mm. Do we wish God was clearer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think we do. I think you mentioned mm. it earlier. We do long for that. Do this, don't do that. Yeah, right? black and white. Yeah, turn right here, mm. do not turn left. Mm. Go straight ahead mm. here, take five steps and stop. Wait for three seconds. You're like, <laughs> you're like just this is how you're supposed to go. I do it, I do it. <laughs> yeah, and instead we're like, here's a tablecloth with a bunch of stuff you don't normally eat, mm. and just you should eat it. But uh, Lord, I don't want to. Mm. Don't say that you shouldn't, like I've said it's clean, you can yeah. eat it three times and then it's taken up to heaven and then the door, the doorbell rings yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, and so I think that w- w- we do need to protect God's character mm. in terms of how we think about that. But I think there's also, there is also the matter of, you know, God is mysterious and yeah. you know, the, the reason why, for yeah. us to the, the reason why he decides to act that way is, a mystery to us, mm. um, but I think at the very least it, it invites us yeah. in a very real way. Like God's like, I'm not going to give you all the answers. Mm. I'm going to sketch it out and then we're going to work on this together and yeah, I'll be wow. with you in it mm. and you know, pray and mm. ask me and th- reflect on your past and reflect on scripture and mm. think about Jesus and you know, all those things. Mm. So God doesn't abandon us to kind of to watch from the corner and laugh and snicker at how we get things wrong. Um, but he certainly invites us into it. Mm. Yeah, right on. Very nice. Well, let's get into question three. In Rox's sermon, she talked about these three Ps of how we can kind of approach this kind of um, vision like Peter had. How can we prepare ourselves to experience and receive this kind of revelation from God? Yeah, I, I quite, as uh, as I think you guys know, I'm not as, I don't froth on alliteration quite like <laughs> Roxanne does, but I did appreciate the, the three Ps and the double Ps within that as well of the three. Double points. Double points, <laughs> right, uh, of the principles. And, you know, I don't know goes. Um, but I think all of them kind of have to do with preparedness. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about pattern identification, that's something that prepares us, right? Mm. Like one of the things about doing something new is that we often don't know what to expect. And when we do it a second time, we at least have one pattern for how this might go. Like you probably have a number of patterns as a midwife, you know, while Mm -hmm. there's no kind of one way that people give birth. Like the first time you probably were attending to a woman. <laughs> I'm intrigued where this is going. Okay. Yeah, well, I, you know, but I can imagine is that. Is this another mansplaining moment? <laughs> no, well, I, I hope not. <laughs> but I would imagine that there would have been a fair amount of anxiety on your behalf. Yeah, you've got no idea. 
And then a couple yeah. of years in, you're like, okay, I see where we're starting. This probably will go this way. Yeah. <laughs> some curveballs, definitely, for sure. You, but, totally. Yeah. But like you, like now. The patterns allow you yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can With come it. in a little bit more prepared mm-hmm. because I've got a whole bunch of, prepare, of patterns that I've seen. Yeah. I've experienced a bunch of things. And I think that, you know, when we're talking about discerning the voice of God and the imitation of God, that pattern recognition is helpful. You know, so if you've never tried to hear the voice of God, the first question you're going to be asking is like, what is this going to sound like? Mm. You know, like who knows what this is going to look like? And so I think, you know, having patterns to identify is really helpful. Um, You know, and that's the, I think that's part of the value of testimony, you know, listening to other people's stories because that gives me another pattern to kind Mm. of add to my collection. Like Mm. I go, okay, that's a different way that Mm. God spoke to you in a different way than he would normally or has spoken to me in the past. But now I can keep my eyes out for that kind of thing happening. Yeah. Um, And it becomes just a little bit more normal for us because I think ultimately, I I think, you know, (laughs) Rox's P word of having a posture is actually a really helpful term. I've heard the distinction between a stance and a posture as being a stance is kind of that unnatural position that we take for a particular purpose or a particular reason, but a posture is our default, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, if I think even about prayer, like I don't, I don't tend to kneel when I pray. That mm. would be a stance that I might choose to take, but it would feel unnatural. Mm. It would feel a little bit special or different. Yeah, that's reserved for the desperate times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Whereas I think what we want is not to have a stance of preparedness where yeah. it's like, oh, I really need to hear from God. It's and reactive, we, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I think we want to have a posture where it kind of becomes our default. And so I think patterns becomes a fairly important part of that. I think then, you know, the the people that we surround ourselves with mm. um, is also really helpful because there's an accountability that comes with um, other people who are seeking to discern the voice of God. Uh, that's really helpful for us. But then I think in terms of other aspects of that posture of preparedness, I think, you know, I think one thing we need to commit to the long game it's mm. not something like, you know, if we're going to turn a stance of preparedness into a posture, we can't just kind of do it once yeah. and hope that it becomes our default. It's yeah. something that we need to put into our month to month, week mm. to week, day to day discipleship. Um, and, and so, and I, th- I think it's also worth noting then that when we start doing that, it's going to feel weird. I think we sometimes have an, ass- uh, an assumption that for everyone else, you know, discerning the voice of God is just easy. Yeah. You know, you know, Jess sits down and prays and God speaks clearly. You know, and, uh, she the opens ring. the word and it just, you know, like just light kind of leaps mm. forth and, oh, you know, illumination. Yeah. And, and, and so we then, and then I turn to it and I go, oh man, I just, I don't know what's going on. Mm. I'm reading this scripture passage. I don't, doesn't make any sense to me at all. I'm praying. I don't seem to hear anything. Mm. I don't even have those, like, so I, but I think it's worth noting that that, when we're learning something, yeah. it always feels a, a different, right? Mm. Um, yeah. You learn a new skill and there's always that period of time where you're like, this just feels so wrong, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then you get used to it. You know, muscle memory and all those sorts of things. And I think we can have spiritual muscle memory, you know, where we do things often enough that it becomes a little bit more default, a little bit mm. more habitual, a little bit more of our posture. And I think we want to be, you know, I think we want to spend time in the word because that allows us to... That gives us, shall we say, some of God's dominant patterns mm. of revelation. 
I think we want to be spending time in prayer because it's something that turns our hearts to God and expresses, even if we're not particularly good at listening, a willingness yeah. to listen. Yeah. Um, and, and there are others, right? I think we want to be regularly with other people and talking about mm. you know, our faith mm. and those sorts of things. And um, those sorts of stances that become postures, I think, do allow us to be more prepared yeah. for when God has that big thing. Yeah. You know, when we do yeah. get the the sheet dropped from heaven three <laughs> times and we're like, right, okay. Um, but taking the pressure off ourselves is even then he still didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so right. It's that's okay right. for it to mm. still, even if you're really good, like he was walking with Jesus the whole time, mm. even if you're really good at discerning those kind of things, it still can be really yeah. vague. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, to, you know, you're talking before about, you know, midwifery, you know, mm. you still, you know, there's still curveballs. Oh yeah. You know, so, <laughs> and, and that's, that's probably not probably a, probably not a bad metaphor, you know, mm. the whole birthing of the revelation of God in our lives, you know, that <laughs> I like sometimes, it. I'm here for yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, that sometimes there are curveballs in that mm. process mm. and it's not always straightforward and, um, can and, be painful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. That's no, unusual. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Would you like to explain it? <laughs> oh gosh, I've done it again. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and, and it is a, it is a good metaphor for what God is often doing, right? There's also, I think, I think another aspect of it, that metaphor that's useful is that it's, I mean, there's an end to the birth, but there's a continuity with what is birthed, mm. right? And so there's something really quite, I think, lovely about thinking about God's work in that ongoing way. Mm. Um, that that that's valuable because then we can be prepared as well because this yeah. is something that's ongoing. It's it's not solved once. You know, mm. I think that, you know, I think what's interesting about say Acts 15 and the big council and the big questions that they had about Gentiles, we don't ask those questions anymore. No. Like they've become a non-issue. I don't, no one's ever asked me, so what's our stance on Gentiles? Mm. No one's ever asked me about that stuff because it's, mm -hmm. it's done now. Yeah. But for a generation or more, it was the hot burning issue. Yeah. And God's plan continues to move. And, mm. and so we have this pattern of how the people of God worked out what God was doing and took that and worked out in concrete ways what it meant and yeah. all yeah. of that. So I think there's, there's value in that. So I, I think that, you know, take the long game. Do little things that help us take mm. a stance of preparedness. Mm. I think identifying those patterns and doing that with other people is, is a really helpful way to to set us up to yeah. be able to yeah. discern that actually that was a vision from God rather than something I was waiting to eat, mm. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and that I should probably think about it a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. maybe I should share it with some people and you know pray about it a little bit more and whatnot. Um, I think that's, I think that's ultimately what we're hoping for in terms yeah. of our own discernment. And I think, you know, if I can swing it around again to the purpose of this sermon series for us as a community of faith, you know, we want to be discerning what God's inviting us into. And I think the, the mutual sharing of the ways that we've seen God at work, mm. the variety of the ways that God is at work, the clear invitation that God says, yeah, you got you to gotta work this out a little bit. Mm. Um, I think all of that is really valuable for us to be thinking mm. through as a, as a community faith. Yeah, right on. 
Well, Rita, thanks so much. I'm keen to kind of see how the series wraps up. On I am Sunday. too. <laughs> <laughs> Got some ideas. Yeah. Feels a little bit like a sheet three times right now. Though, so <laughs> still, what do you mean, Lord? <laughs> we're still waiting to land that puppy, but, uh, <laughs> but that's a service to really. Yeah, so I'm still got a few days to work it out. So anyway, see you guys. <laughs> All right, see you later. Well, Jessica Baker, mm. what what stood out to you? What was your kind of your big piece? I liked the discussion in the first question about differentiating, like, you know, people have been working on the Bible for a long time and analysing it and kind of getting God's patterns and he's speaking. So, like, those kind of views that are held, like, sticking to them kind of vibe. Mm. Peter, like, the church was very new and so this was it was a new revelation that they experienced. But also being really aware that the church has progressed through culture and the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. So what things do we look at really critically and in our generation, knowing what we know and being a bit more... Contextualising the text. Yeah, slightly more woke if we're allowed to (laughs) use that word, which we're not. No, (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, you know, also the Bible is the Bible and the character of God has been the same throughout. So kind of... Yeah, treading that line of which things do we question, which mm. things uh, do we not. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think that piece around like why does God give us obscure visions? Like mm. why isn't he more clear? It's so rude. It is <laughs> so rude, you guys. But at the same time, the fact that like that his desire is to draw us into what he's yeah. doing. That and, and I think, you know, previously we've we've spoken about, you know, predestination and it's like, well, why doesn't God just make us believe? Mm. And it's like, well, because he wants, like there is a journey that we are all on and and he wants to be a part, like, do you Mm. know what I mean? Like he wants to kind of draw us into him and closer to him and, and, um, and that's really powerful and that, that, that really can not only shape our lives, but the, the lives of those around us. So I'm just, I was kind of like, okay, like, yes, I want that clear, Mm concise kind of revelation but actually like I can I can see his heart and I I also know that the things that you work for tend to be far more yeah. valuable yeah. than then just the things that fall in your lap so yeah there's a difference about being a spectator of a sport and you can get into it you can wear your little you know scarves and whatever spectator I don't watch sport clearly neither do I so this is a terrible <laughs> illustration <laughs> and being on the field playing actively yes, in the a game fan or a a fan or a follower? Follower or a Sure. Fan? Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. That you've got that sense of ownership on the game, like you're involved, you're yeah. participating, that's what we're doing with the Lord, which is pretty cool. Yeah. But also sometimes it's nice to just grab a beer, <laughs> grab some merch and sit <laughs> in the crowd, you know? <laughs> I think you've missed the point. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> well, until next week, my friend, I will see you later. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to be a part of the conversation, make sure that you're there at one of our services this coming Sunday and that you snap the Slido QR code or follow the link before the sermon to get involved. If you've enjoyed the Big Three podcast today, take the time to give a star rating and be sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all future episodes. Well, thanks for joining us for this week's Big Three and our deep dive into God's invitation for us all. Remember, there's no thought too small, no question too big.